Welcome to Hebraic Insights in the Gospels. Join us every Sabbath on Zion Road Radio for a look at the life, deeds, and words of Yeshua Messiah and his followers. From the Torah-centric Hebraic perspective, they were originally lived and written in. Today's program is on Matthew chapter 10. Who were the twelve disciples, or emissaries, of Yeshua Messiah? When he first sent them out, who did Messiah send them to? How can Messiah's instructions to his disciples and the way that he sent them out help us when it comes to discovering who we are in Messiah and what our individual role is in his kingdom plan? Are there any consequences of being a follower of Messiah that we need to know about and be prepared for? What are the obstacles we may have to face? If we find those things to come at a high cost, to be frightening, hard to handle, or think ourselves in any way limited or unable to deal with them, how can we overcome and stick with it to endure to the end? Stay tuned through the end of this program as Eliyahu ben David shares his insight on these questions and more in Matthew chapter 10. And now, here's today's first scripture portion. Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 through 20. Yeshua Messiah called to himself his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Now the names of the twelve emissaries are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, Jacob, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, Jacob, the son of Halphilobaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judah Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Yeshua sent these twelve out, and commanded them, saying, Don't go among the Gentiles, and don't enter into any city of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Freely you received, so freely give. Don't take any gold, nor silver, nor brass in your money belts. Take no bag for your journey, neither two coats, nor shoes, nor staff, for the laborer is worthy of his food. Into whatever city or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy, and stay there until you go on. As you enter into the household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come on it, but if it isn't worthy, let your peace return to you. Whoever doesn't receive you, nor hear your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake off the dust from your feet. Most certainly I tell you, 
It will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and in their synagogues they will scourge you. Yes, and you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them and to the nations. But when they deliver you up, don't be anxious how or what you will say, for it will be given you in that hour what you will say. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaks in you. And now, here's some insight from Eliyahu ben David on those verses. Stand at the crossroads and look Ask for the ancient parts Ask where the good way is And walk in it And you'll find a rest for your souls You'll find a rest for your Hello, friends. We're looking at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 20, where Yeshua sent out his disciples, sending out ambassadors of the kingdom. That's our theme. And you know what? You're one of those ambassadors. In fact, all of us are that belong to Yeshua Messiah. We're ambassadors of the kingdom. So there's a lot in this lesson that really applies to us. And we're going to see how those who were committed to Yeshua Messiah were actually sent out and the instructions that were given to them and therefore to us as well. I did want to bring out some things about the names of the 12 emissaries. There are English names, and of course originally these were Hebrew and Greek names. In some cases, the Greek names were actually Hebrew names translated into Greek, and then from there translated into English. The English names actually come from Hebrew and Greek names, as, of course, we would expect. People sometimes forget that, though, when we read the Bible. For example, there was really nobody named Peter in the Bible, but that's the English name for Kepha and so on. Well, the thing about Hebrew and Greek names is that they all have a real meaning. And this is a very deep subject. You could go on for hours about the meanings of these names. But the truth is, in the Bible, you find very often, almost as a rule, that people's names really identify something key about them. So I thought it would be worthwhile to take a look at these names. For instance, Simon, Shimon, means to hear. And Peter, Kepha, means a rock. So his name is to hear the rock. Isn't that cool? The name Andrew, Andreas, means manliness. I just think it's interesting that Yeshua chose for one of his 12 disciples somebody named Manliness, don't you think? 
And then, of course, we have Jacob, our Yaakov. And this is the same as the father of our nation, right? Jacob, who is also called Israel. The name means supplanter. And supplanter is really a lot like overcomer, right? To take the place of somebody that didn't overcome, in a sense. Then Jacob is called the son of Zebedee, which is actually Zebediah, which means Yah has bestowed. And his brother, John, Yohanan, who was the son of Zebedee, his name means Yah is gracious. These two terms together, very similar. Yah has bestowed and Yah is gracious. I found that very interesting. And then we have Philip. Philip, his name is associated with horses. And I thought that was really interesting. Because, you know, in Bible times, horses represented power. And so I think kind of like a loose translation of his name would be horsepower. And that's quite a name, don't you think? And actually, Philip had a lot of horsepower, a lot of personal power to carry out the mission. Bartholomew, Bartelme, means a plowman. That is somebody that plows the field and sows the seed. Good name, I think, for a disciple of Yeshua. And then we have Thomas, Toma, the twin. Also means double. Double. Matthew, Matiyahu, gift of Yahweh. And we have another Jacob, Jacob, supplanter. And he was the son of Alphaeus, or Bar-Helphi, which name means changing. Don't you think that's interesting? Changing. And then Labaius means courage. And his surname was Thaddeus, which means brave heart. So this guy had two names that meant very similar to the same thing, courage and brave heart. He must have been a very courageous guy. I think that's really interesting. Then we have another Simon, Simon the Zealot, named Simon, as we've seen before, means to hear. And zealot is zealous, comes from the word zealous. Finally, we have Judah, which means praise. So these names I find very interesting. They're interesting when you look at them and you look at the life of the individual people. In many cases, you'll find they kind of started out different from their name, and then they had to sort of grow into their name. Like, for instance, we have Simon Peter, to hear the rock. 
Well, Simon didn't always listen as well as he should have. We can find a number of places in Scripture where that is true, where he didn't listen and hear as well as he should have. And what we saw happened out of that, though, is a process of change where he became, in a sense, a rock within the community of believers. People looked to him as an example because he was so steadfast in hearing the rock. And as you go through these, you find other examples like this of this change, and even the word change we find here, or changing. You know, this is what happens with disciples of Yeshua Messiah. They change. You have a name in Messiah. You have an identity in Messiah. You might not know right now what that is, who that is. But you know, just like when he chose these 12, he was doing more than just accomplishing a canvas of Israel with this message. He was also focusing on them. He knew who they all were, and he was changing them into who they were meant to be. And you know, he's doing that with you. He's doing that with me. The things that he allows to come into our life, the way that he molds and shapes us, it's all to help us grow into that person that we're really meant to be in Yeshua Messiah so we can be better disciples of Messiah, better Talmudim, and so that we can bring forth more fruit for the kingdom. You know, these names are kind of interesting in the order that we find them. And I thought I would just look at the meaning of these names and see if they would lay out into sentences. And this is what I came up with. Now, I don't want to say too much about this because this is something I'm seeing. I'm not saying this is necessarily what the Scripture says, but I do think there's a meaning in these names. And this is how it just kind of fell out for me, these names in order. To hear the rock is manliness. The supplanter Israel, Yah has bestowed because Yah is gracious. The horsepower of the sower is the double gift of Yahweh. The supplanter Israel is changing into a courageous, brave heart to hear and be zealous for the praise of Yahweh. Kind of interesting that you can get actual sentences just out of putting these names together like this. And, you know, these have meaning in the Scriptures, things that sometimes people don't really see. Like, for instance, this first one, to hear the rock is manliness. In today's world, you know, a lot of men think that what is manly is just doing their own thing. But Yahweh created men in His image to do His will in the world, to represent Him in the world. The scriptural teaching then is to hear the rock is manliness. That, that is what makes a person a man. And you know, the world's thinking about being a man, much of it has to do with a relationship to women. A lot of men define themselves in the terms of relationships to women. 
And I'm not saying that women are not important, but I am saying what makes a true man in God's eyes is a man who hears the rock. And here implies does his will. And what about the supplanter, that is Israel? Yah has bestowed because Yah is gracious. Hasn't that been God's plan from the Torah forward? That he's bestowed Israel on the world because of his grace. And really, through Israel, he truly is going to save the world. I like this other one here. The horsepower of the sower is the double gift of Yahweh. The horsepower, we're talking here about the energy of the sower. And as we serve Yahweh, as we go out in the field, seeking ways to go out there and sow the seed, that requires personal energy. Yes, it requires the energy of the Holy Spirit, but it also requires our energy to actually choose to do it, where our energy and the energy of the Holy Spirit come together to produce the double gift of Yahweh, if you will. And that is the person who is the disciple and also those that listen to him. A double gift. And then we have the supplanter, that is Israel, is changing into a courageous, brave heart to hear and be zealous for the praise of Yahweh. I love this because this is the story of Israel. You know, as we look through the scriptures, we see Israel, the nation, at times rising up and truly being an example, but too often not, right? Too often falling short of being what Israel could be but this statement is very, very positive because what it's telling us is that Israel will fulfill its purpose. It was given as a gift of grace from Yahweh, and Israel will fulfill its purpose by changing, by actually becoming the courageous nation that it's meant to be to hear and be zealous. For what purpose? For the praise of Yahweh. And just thinking about that, to think that that could be in those names of the people that Messiah chose to send out, it just, to me, shows how Israel is always on his heart and how Yahweh's plan keeps moving forward. So as we look at what Messiah did here, I think it's interesting. He put the emissaries together in holy order. That is, are the 12 tribal elders of Israel carrying on the order from the Torah forward? And he sent them in teams to do the work of the kingdom. They weren't all just by themselves out there. They had teammates working with them in the mission, friends working together for the sake of the kingdom. And more and more we need to think that way. You know, We need to think about how we can work together 
with other believers for the sake of the kingdom. Another thing that we notice is he gave them authority to get the job done. That authority has been given. That authority is in the scriptures and it's given to everyone who is a witness of Yeshua Messiah. So if you've given your life to him, you have that authority to represent him as an ambassador. And that will be proven as we go through Matthew. It will tell us specifically that that's true, that that authority comes down to believers today. We notice also he told them exactly what to do, what problems they would face, and how to deal with each of those situations. And he continues to do that with his ambassadors scattered around the world. He continues to tell us what to do, what the problems are, and how we can deal with them. And it's up to us then just to put that into effect so that we can be effective Talmudine for the kingdom. I like this. Messiah knew whom to choose and how to help each one to rise up to their full, unique potential for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of Yahweh. And here at Zion, we're really down with that. <laughs> you know, we appreciate this. We appreciate that Messiah recognizes the uniqueness of all of his people. And unlike religion that wants to basically stamp people with a cookie-cutter type situation, making people as much the same as possible, Messiah valued the differences of all of his Talmudim. And he values your difference, my difference. And he's building something that's very complex with all of his people. And for that to happen, each person needs to rise up to their full potential in Messiah to build the kingdom in the world to glorify Yahweh. And this is really a high thing. And you know, it takes courage. It takes courage to reach out to become that person. I want to encourage you. Join up and be a part and see how this can help you in your spiritual growth to continue growing up into that fullness of who you are in Messiah. The purpose of all of this is to build up the remnant of Israel into the kingdom. This is what Messiah was doing then. He said, don't go to anyone but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you know what? Here at the end of the age, this is our mission, right? And we will share the message with everybody because, you know what? Any of them could be Israel, right? Any of them could be scattered Israel. We do share the message with everybody, but we have this goal of Israel, remnant Israel, being gathered, raised up, and accomplishing the purpose here in the earth. But we've got more from Matthew 10, more instructions when he sent out these ambassadors. Instructions that are going to help us. We're going to look into that. So, come back for the rest of this chapter. Stay tuned. 
Eliyahu has more to share in the book of Matthew after this short break. Enjoying this episode of Hebraic Insights in the Gospels? Want to hear more teachings from Eliyahu Ben David? Tune in to our 24-7 internet radio station, Zion Road Messianic Radio. You can catch the latest episodes of Hebraic Insights in the Gospels before they're released as a podcast, learn more about what Zion Ministry teaches from our other programs, and listen to a host of uplifting songs from our independent Messianic music artists. To tune in to our station, go to zion.org. That's T-S-I-Y-O-N dot O-R-G. Or search for Zion Road Messianic Radio. Again, that's Zion spelled T-S-I-Y-O-N in your favorite internet radio app or station directory. Don't miss the latest episodes. Go to T-S-I-Y-O-N dot O-R-G and check the station's schedule to see what's playing. Welcome back. Let's pick up where we left off in Matthew chapter 10 with the next scripture portion. Matthew chapter 10 verses 21 through 42. Brother will deliver up brother to death and the father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. But when they persecute you in the city, Flee into the next, for most certainly I tell you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man has come. A disciple is not above his rabbi, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he be like his rabbi, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more are those of his household? Therefore, don't be afraid of them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in the ear, proclaim on the housetops. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who was able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Aren't two sparrows sold for an Assyrian coin? Not one of them falls on the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, don't be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Don't think that I came to send peace on the earth. I didn't come to send peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man at odds against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me isn't worthy of me. He who doesn't take his cross and follow after me isn't worthy of me. He who seeks his life will lose it, 
and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones just a cup of cold water to drink in the name of a disciple, most certainly I tell you, he will in no way lose his reward. And now, here's Eliyahu ben David. Shalom, friends. It's great to have you with us once again. Our theme is Endure to the End. He who endures to the end will be saved, Messiah said. And we're going to look into various aspects of this as we look at Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 21 to the end of the chapter. I think you're going to find tonight's lesson perhaps sobering in some respects, but in other ways uh, encouraging and helpful. I really liked how that these words were not just for the 12 being sent out one time, but these words, these instructions of Messiah carry all the way down to our day and to the very end. That's what enduring to the end is about, right? Enduring all the way to the end, whether it happens to be the end of our earthly life or the end of the age. We want to talk about that a little bit more. I have a little part here, just sharing some thoughts about this, and I'm calling it what the church didn't tell you before they asked you to commit. You know, a lot of times what happens, now this isn't always true, but churches many times and ministries, they want to make it very easy for people to say the sinner's prayer. And because of that, they take all pressure off of people. For instance, I went to a service at one point where the minister asked everybody in the room to close their eyes. And his particular version of people saying the sinner's prayer was to say, now, those of you who want to be saved, raise your hand. So nobody else could see them, so they didn't have to be embarrassed, and they could be saved from hell. That's what he was telling them. Just raise your hand, and you can be saved from going to hell, and you can go to heaven. How far is that approach from what Yeshua Messiah did? When we compare that to what he said to his disciples, 
it's hugely different, isn't it? Let's take a look at these points, telling us that he wasn't just talking to the 12 apostles. You know, we could expect things would be kind of rigorous for the 12 apostles. Some people would say that. Well, that was just for the 12 apostles, those things he said. But the indication in the text is that he's really talking far beyond the 12 apostles all the way down to our day. Now look at some of these things. For example, he said, you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony to them and to the nation. Well, do you think on this particular tour when he sent out these 12 that they were confronted with governors and kings? There's no record of that. So when he's saying this, he's thinking way beyond just this one mission trip they're doing. He's looking into the future, many future mission trips. Realize these were the initial leaders of the brethren. He's teaching them so that they can teach everybody else to do the same thing. So he's not just telling them about that one mission trip. He's telling them about the whole deal <laughs> all the way to the end. Now, we have more that says this. For instance, he says to them, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man has come. Well, some people get very upset with that because they're thinking, well, he's talking to the twelve and the Son of Man didn't come, so this must not be true. That's wrong because the reason he's saying this is he is talking to the disciples that were with him, but then extending to all of the disciples. Why do you think they wrote this down in the Gospels for us? Why did those apostles write it down? It's because it's for us. And, you know, here in the last days, this is interesting. Just thinking about that. Yes, there will be a time where there's going to be an outreach to Israel where the remnant will be back in the land and we will be doing what the apostles did. We will be going out in order to bring the message to them and we will not be able to complete that work in the time that we have because the Son of Man will come before we can be finished. Not because it's so difficult to cover all that territory, but because of the obstacles we will have in trying to accomplish this task. This is what he said about that. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake, for he who endures to the end will be saved. Well, to be hated by all men, is he just talking about Galilee? Obviously, he's looking far beyond that, isn't he? All men, that's the whole world. And he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. The end. Now, you can interpret that as to the end of your life, and you wouldn't be wrong. But really, I think what he has in view here is the end of this age and his return. And he said this in Matthew 24, 13. He who endures to the end, 
the same will be saved. Now, notice that this is essentially the same message as what he's saying in Matthew 10. We all know Matthew 24 is an end-time prophecy, right? Talking to the believers at the end of the age. And it's essentially the same thing as he's saying in Matthew 10. So what does that tell us? He's talking to us. That's what it's telling us, right? He's talking to the believers back then, but he's talking to us today. He has us in mind. So realizing that these words are not just for the 12 apostles, but they're for us, the remnant at the end of the age, I think we need to give special attention to this message from Messiah. And uh, I've made a few points here. As you follow Messiah to the end, you will have troubles common to men. In other words, this world is filled with trouble. People have financial problems. People have health problems. People have relationship problems and other kinds of problems. And that's been true throughout this age. And it's true for unbelievers, and it's true for believers. It's just a fact. So as believers, we're going to have to encounter all the same problems that the world encounters. And we do. You know, we have health problems. Some of our folks are struggling with health problems right now. We have economic problems. We have believers right now, too, that are really just trying to stay alive because of war in various places, things they cannot control. And the world is very unstable. We're affected by those things. So, you know, we've got our hands full, really, just dealing with these things that are common to men. However, the advantage of being a believer is we have our Father in Heaven that we can rely on for the wisdom and the strength to deal with these problems. Not only that, we have His Word, which gives us a lot of wisdom that helps to ameliorate these things or even avoid them to start with. So this is really a blessing for us, and especially the Torah. You know, this is why what we do in my house is we listen to the Midrash of the Torah. Now, we've heard it all before. Is that any reason not to listen to it again? You would be amazed if, you're, if you haven't done this, if you haven't made this your practice, how much this can help your life, stabilize your life, keep you knowledgeable of what Yahweh really thinks, what he really wants. It's really such an important thing. Well, talking about the troubles, what Messiah said, we're going to have troubles that go beyond just these common troubles, which themselves are difficult enough. He says that members of your own family will oppose you. Can you handle that? You know, we see folks sometimes that seem to be drawn to the truth, 
But as soon as some family member says, oh, you shouldn't do that, you know, that's just too different, or you shouldn't be so religious, or whatever they're thinking, that just shuts that person right down. They cannot handle criticism from their family. They don't even get over the first hurdle. The next thing, not only will you be opposed by your family, but before this thing is over, it says you will be betrayed by brethren, even unto death. This may be brethren in the faith. It may be family members who will actually turn you in to people who want to kill you. Now, you might think, oh, none of the people I know would do that. They're all nice people. Well, you just wait until all those nice people are under pressure. You just wait until their life and their standing is on the line and see how many of them continue to be so nice. We really are going to face some tremendous pressures, and of course, many of our brothers and sisters are now. And we're going to face them from people we care about and love. And I don't know about you, but from my point of view, I think that's the hardest thing. I think that's a really hard thing to deal with. We know what's going to happen. Let's make sure we're not the ones that do it. Right? You will be hated by all men for his name. Can you handle that? Everywhere you go, people are going to hate you. That's how things are going to progress in this world. Now already, you know, you might feel some opposition from different places. But can you imagine when everybody thinks you're a bad person and hates you? Virtually everybody. Everybody except your brothers and sisters, of course. That's a lot of pressure. What are we doing right now to prepare ourselves for that kind of pressure? You will be persecuted from place to place. What does that mean? That's going to mean the hatred's going to be so great, you're not going to be able to stay in one place. Can you imagine that? Being driven out of your home finding another place to go, being driven from that place, finding another place to go. That's what's going to be happening here at the end of the age. Now, you know what? Messiah is going to have a place of safety for us. But most of us aren't going to be there. Most of us are not going to go home in the second exodus because we're not going to take all of this seriously enough. We're going to have our own concerns, and these are going to have the first place in our life until suddenly things take a real bad turn for the worse. So that most believers are going to miss the second exodus. So my encouragement would be don't be one of those people. Doesn't make them not believers, but they're going to have a lot tougher situation than those who go home in the second exodus to a place of safety. Lastly, it tells us the believers will be called of the devil. In other words, you're going to be the bad guy. 
So you're keeping the commandments of Yahweh. You're trying to do what's right moral in your life. You're trying to serve God. And people who are reprobate people, immoral people, people who are selfish and evil, are going to say, you're bad and they're good. Oh, right. That's happening already, isn't it? Well, it's going to happen a lot more. So, this is what we're facing. But we have some good reasons not to fear, even though this is what we're looking at. Messiah says there's going to be justice in the end. This is all going to be sorted out. He says the worst they can do is kill you. Now, that might scare you. But he says that they can't really touch your eternal life. So, you know what it's like to die? It's like going to sleep. How scary is going to sleep? We do it every night. We don't even think another thing about it, right? But if we're faithful, what happens? <laughs> we go to sleep, and then we wake up to the return of Messiah. We're changed and we enter into our glorious hope. Is that anything to be afraid of? See, they don't have anything on us, <laughs> if you really think about it. You know, killing us is not, <laughs> it's just a shortcut home. So we don't need to worry about that. And we need to remember that his children are precious to him. If they do kill your body, you don't have to worry he's going to forget you. He's going to remember you. And you're coming back. Provided you endure to the end. Those who confess Messiah, he will confess. Now isn't that a great thing? That's what we're doing, isn't it? We're confessing Messiah. That's why we have Zion Academy, really, is to keep focused on that and to grow in our ability to do that, to be useful to Messiah in his kingdom. He also says those who deny Messiah, he will deny. So think about that. You see, there's those who confess Messiah. He's going to confess them before the Father. What does that mean? That means... Those he confesses, of course, your eternal life is assured, right? But then there's the other ones who deny him, and he's going to deny them. So, you know, we might look at some of this and say, well, gee, that sounds really rigorous, you know? My family opposing me, everybody hating me, all of that. I don't want any of that. Okay, well, you don't want any of that, then... Deny Messiah, because that's what happens, right? If you choose not to confess Messiah. And if you confess Messiah, yes, this is what's ahead of you. So, you know, on the one hand, if you confess Messiah, you have these troubles coming your way in this world. But if you endure to the end, you have eternal salvation. 
On the other hand, you can take the route of least resistance, right? You don't want people to not like you. You don't want trouble with your family. So you just go along to get along. Where does that take you? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Like nobody can really escape what we're looking at that's coming down the road. And this is why we have to think seriously about enduring to the end. So fear of man, that's got to go out the window. We need to fear Elohim because he alone has the power over the second death. Well, how do we do it? How do we overcome these things? How do we persist in our mission? Here's how to endure. Don't be afraid. Now, you might be afraid. So you might say, well, I can't help it. I'm just afraid. This stuff scares me. David said, when I am afraid, I trust in you. You know, he acknowledged that he was afraid. Sometimes you're going to be afraid. But what do you do with that? How do you go from being afraid to not being afraid? You do that by trusting in Yahweh. By going to him in prayer, not trying to fool anybody, saying, you know what, Yahweh, I'm afraid. You say, don't be afraid. I'm afraid. Help me with that. And you know, he really will. He really can help you with fear. But you have to trust him. Well, here's another one. People don't like this one. But uh, here's how to endure. You have to give up your own life. You have to give up your own life if you're going to endure to the end. What do I mean by that? Well, you just don't get to choose. That's all. That's what I mean. You know, you might have your hopes and dreams of what you want to do. That's not going to make you endure to the end. Just going after your hopes and dreams. This is the end of the age. You need to forget that. You need to go after his hopes and dreams. Right? You need to give up your life and accept the life of Messiah that he gives you. If you do that, you then can endure to the end. If you don't do that, I'll tell you now, you're not going to make it. And the next thing, too, it says accept your cross. Same idea, isn't it? Messiah had to bear a cross. That's why he came here. And he did a lot of things while he was here. But the hardest one was bearing the cross. What is your cross to bear? You might not know right now. But it will come because every disciple has a cross to bear as he follows Yeshua Messiah. There will be things, hard things, that come into your life that you will just have to bear. 
And you have to learn how to do that, trusting in Messiah. If at the first sign of trouble coming along in your life, you give up, you're never going to make it. And you know, it's an interesting thing about accepting your cross. Of course, nobody wants to accept a cross, right? Nobody wants to. Messiah didn't want to. But once it comes into your life, it's interesting how things change within you. You know, you struggle with it until eventually you come to a place of acceptance and peace with it. And then you find yourself actually in fellowship with the sufferings of Messiah. Actually finding that being lived out in your body, entering into a new level of fellowship because of what you're going through and making you stronger in ways that you couldn't otherwise even imagine. And this is absolutely essential to endure to the end. Follow him. Here's what Paul said. Forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of Elohim in Messiah Yeshua. You know, this is such an important thing if you're going to endure to the end. You're going to have to let go of the things behind. You might have a lot of things behind you that you cherish. You need to be ready to let them go if called upon to do that. Stretching forward to the goal. Stretching forward to the prize of the high calling. It's got to be first in your life. It's not a hobby. It's not a religion. It's got to be first in your life. Pressing forward to the high calling of Elohim in Messiah Yeshua. If we keep doing that, we keep pressing forward, we keep enduring, endure to the end. If what we see is the prize and not the problems, not the troubles, we're always looking to the prize, always pressing on to the prize, then I'll tell you what will happen. You will endure to the end. And you will receive the prize. And when you do, everything that you've gone through, everything that you've done, that you thought was so hard as you're going through it, it's going to be like nothing. Nothing compared to the glory that you're going to enter into. So friends, we've not made it yet. We've not endured to the end as yet. 
Some of us have, and they're examples to us. But we know it can be done. We have the way set out before us. So friends, let's press on and receive the prize. You have been listening to Hebraic Insights in the Gospels. Further teachings and study materials on various related topics and others can be found at our membership site, Zion Tabernacle. Sign up is free. Just go to zion.net. That's T-S-I-Y-O-N dot N-E-T. Or click the membership link on the Zion Road website. New programs on the Gospels will be airing every Sabbath on Zion Road Radio. Join us next Shabbat to learn more in the book of Matthew. Shabbat Shalom! Ask for the ancient past.